0: By staying home, you can not only protect your health and that of those around you, but ensure that our healthcare professionals and our healthcare systems can focus
1: on those who need their help.
2: Hello and welcome to Corona Movie Club, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, So we have a schedule of movies and we're all going to watch them independently in our own socially isolated homes and then three times a week we're going to get together over the internet and talk about them just like your mom's old book club used to do. Um, Except now there's nothing old about it because it's all over the internet and we're all social isolating so that we don't help spread the coronavirus around the universe. Um, So we have people from all over North America who are participating and there's going to be different people on each call from the uh, core group and so every episode I'm going to come in and introduce the film that we're going to be watching as well as the names of the people that are going to be on that week's call or that episode's call because we're going to be doing this three times a week. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy.
0: Let's go to the movies. It's something to do.
2: Today, we're talking about Steel Magnolias, which is one of those movies that I'd heard about sort of my entire life. It literally came out the year I was born in 1989. Um, it's called a comedy drama. I guess you can call it that. It's it's definitely, the genre is really more like five-hanky, um, which is one of those sort of like sub-genres that people use um, to describe something that's not, it's like a little bit derogatory. Um but not really. I don't know. It's, this movie is really designed to make you cry is, is probably the best way to, to phrase it. It's what it's known for is for making people cry. Um, and it was odd because I didn't know what it was about. I just knew that about it. Like I knew that it was supposed to make you cry and would probably make you cry. It only succeeded a little bit. Like it's pretty easy to make me cry. So there was, I think I cried maybe once and it was just like a slight tear up. Um and maybe not at the part where I was supposed to cry necessarily. Um but, you know, it was it was sweet. Uh obviously Dolly Parton is just the friggin' bee's knees. She's just so great always, but specifically in this movie. She's just sassy and fun and wonderful and um you can really see how this would have been a play and how it would have played out on stage. Um i think i probably would prefer it as a play i don't think there's enough there there to make it a film and really expand that universe um yeah i don't know uh the the wikipedia for this movie um it, it, i think it's very amusing it makes a point of defining what a steel magnolia is um The title suggests the main female characters can be both as delicate as a magnolia flower and as tough as steel. My goodness, imagine a female like that. Imagine. Anyway, long story short, I love Julia Roberts, I love Dolly Parton, I like Sally Field. Why the hell not, right? Okay. Um, This call has just uh, me, Kelly Bedard, Steve Vargo, and Matt Yepchuk, as most calls seem to at this point. Um, Yeah. So I hope you enjoy our conversation about Steel Magnolias and whether or not, or the extent to which we cried as we were supposed to. Um, the first half of this movie, I was thoroughly charmed. I was having so much fun. I love Julie Roberts. Obviously, we've been over this. Yeah. Um, Dolly Parton completely won my heart. Oh, I was having so much fun. And then <laughs> all I knew about Sweet Magnolias was that it was like a five hanky movie. And then like I knew someone would spoiler alert die i didn't know who well i did i i kind of knew who but i didn't i thought it was cancer going in like i thought, I just knew like somebody Mm. died and it was like super tragic so i was expecting someone to get cancer but then so like once i don't know i feel like it just took over the whole movie and then like what was the point was the whole
1: (laughs) i don't know what the movie is is. just
2: like yeah i don't know and it's sad
1: yeah i don't know if they know what the movie is about or what the play is about but it's based off of, um, I had the same feelings. I I generally like the movie. It's a nice movie, but I don't think it's about anything. Um, family? Yeah. Who knows? But I liked yeah. the
2: first half. I would yeah. have lived it's... like lived in that world for a while. Quite yeah, happy. that
0: was fun. I did not care for that world. It was very eighties, very <laughs> like, yeah, meh. But not uh, has that, had anyone seen the play? Because that was my only okay. Because I saw an okay production of the play a couple years ago, um, and at I went into that knowing absolutely nothing. So I had that as my foundation before seeing the movie. Uh, So I kind of knew what was going to happen. But then the main thing that struck me was how well adapted it was into a movie, just in terms of like knowing what the source material is and then seeing how well they and it makes sense because it was like screenplay adapted by the guy who wrote the play, but he just did such a good job seemingly seemingly of like inserting the characters who weren't like the core five or six of them, like mm-hmm. the husbands and everything in a way that to me didn't feel as shoehorned in as I fully expected it to. Uh, just assuming that it would be one of those standard cases where they took a play that's just supposed to be like in one room and then expand it. But I felt like the adaptation did a nice job of, showing us the community which is like the heart sort of of the entire thing but I also think when you take it out of the play context and you get to see the reality that they're living in then it sort of diminishes the emotional impact a little bit because then that was just where I was finding myself making the same thing like oh she's she's dead now why why do I care (laughs) there it is and like I don't want to say that the relationships between all of the main characters was lessened by turning it into a film, but it just felt like the attention and the focus wasn't there as strongly as I know it is. As strongly as I know it is in the play. Uh, Because again, like you have all those other things in the movie to focus on like the other characters and the other environments and the other settings instead of just the investment you get when it's these women coming and going in like the one little community hub of the salon and uh, that said Sally Field won my heart as she always does Julia Roberts character I found a lot more annoying than I expected to and like at the end maybe I wasn't paying enough attention oh no I see Kelly's face I'm sorry (laughs) maybe I wasn't paying enough attention but just at the point at the end when Sally Field was saying like I'm so sad her son We'll never know what an amazing woman his mom was. I was like, was she amazing? Because she spent most of this movie just being really not pleasant to you or anyone else, really. And Daryl Hannah's character really annoyed me, even though I thought Daryl Hannah did a great job like acting-wise. Just the character really annoyed me. And I love Shirley MacLaine. Those are my thoughts.
1: I I agree with you that there's probably some... There's some connection that we lose when it turns into a film. Like I can definitely sense that I would maybe feel more for them, these characters, if I was in the room with them, feeling their emotions and all that. But yeah, the, on film, I really was felt alienated from any feeling from them. Even though I think, I think all of their acting was really well done, I just think the characters are not fleshed out that well. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I I like Julie Roberts uh, Sally Field is great every time I see her Sally.
2: well okay so I have questions about okay. the play the play is all set in the beauty salon and it's like vignettes of people sort of like coming in over time
0: yeah pretty much anytime time like two or more of the like women that are on the poster are talking in the play it's taking place in the salon so like the whole scene that happens at the graveyard at the end is a salon scene in the play. Just everything. Wow. It's the- uh, like Sally's whole speech. I'm calling her Sally. Well, I stand by that. Sally's whole speech <laughs> about how she's like, oh, it was the most beautiful moment of my life because I was there for when she came into the world and when she left it. Like all of that is just her coming to the salon like a day or two after the fact. And so like the mechanics from what I remember, like I only saw the play once probably five-ish years ago. So I'm going purely off of memory. But I do know for a fact that it does all take place in the salon. But a lot of the dialogue, yeah, like they just find a reason to get them to the salon and then they have those conversations and then come and go. And so it is.
1: Maintaining that hair. Mm -hmm.
0: And it was really powerful, I think, or interesting seeing the difference in being able to be in the hospital for the death scene versus in the play where it's just discussed. And I'm not sure which in that specific instance I prefer because it was really well done. Like, and I think, again, that's mostly because Sally did a beautiful job. And just like when you can actually be in the room and have the tension of like the heart monitor, that's gorgeous and beautiful. But I feel like it has a similarly effective power to just kind of sit in the moment of having her come into the salon and like recount all of that. Plus, also when you see it on stage, at least I remember going in knowing that someone would die but not knowing who. So when it hit that scene, like you know that the uh, kidney transplant or whatever has happened and I think... No, yeah. You know that the kidney transplant has happened and you don't exactly know what the aftermath would be. And so I just remember being in a place of, oh, which one died? Was it the mom or was it the daughter? And like that... Yeah, that tension was really nice to have versus it just it's so it's so so different having it as a movie versus as a play. And I don't know that it did it any favors, but it wasn't bad, it just wasn't as good as I, I think it could if, be.
1: I wonder if there's something missing from the movie because it went to people's houses and the funeral and all this other stuff that when we're in when if we're in the one location, like it like it's all in in the salon. Yeah. So if it's all in the salon, then maybe it's about like these people have these crazy lives out there. Like everyone has these lives that are, everyone has their own drama and stuff like that. Like it could be maybe be something about that. And then that would get lost if you actually go and see, see their lives and see where they live and Mm -hmm. see them going through these things. Even though like they still like, they didn't show like maybe the birth, like Julie Roberts pregnancy, like the birth, like, let's see if she had any problems there like mm-hmm. were there any problems let's see her get like we we just saw her arm like that was the result of that which is probably from the play but i felt like i oh, wa- right, yeah. I wanted more about the disease if that's where this movie was going mm-hmm.
2: um i kind of liked that we didn't that we just cut straight to and then the kids here and it's okay and yeah. then like the we're they're going in for the kidney transplant and, like i do i wonder if when people first saw this movie, if there was like a big, like, Oh my God, I had no idea someone was going to die because I feel like the one thing everyone knows about steel Magnolia is somebody dies.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I think that like, it, it be, almost becomes a bit of a, like, when is she going to die? Because <laughs> right. each like thing, like mm-hmm. she gets pregnant and you're like, Oh, she's not going to make it through childbirth and she makes it th- And then you like see a kid and then, Oh, she's going to die in the kidney transplant. And then they just jump far enough ahead that you're like, Oh, that was fine. And so it just kind of keeps becoming like, oh, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. And it's almost like kind of undramatic, which I preferred. Um, but I didn't, I didn't like understand. I mean, they tipped off who was going to die. If this movie was made now, Sally Field would die in the process of donating her kidney um, because it would be the person who like didn't do anything wrong and like not the person you expect and blah, blah, blah. Where is this? Yeah when this was made, it was very like the person who has like a diabetic attack in the first scene is like, that's who it's going to be. Um, but what was I going to say? I, (laughs) I didn't really understand the disease. Like lots of people have diabetes and they have kids and it's not as big of a deal. Like what was special about her condition that was so, so much more dangerous than every other person I've ever met with diabetes, like what like i just didn't I feel like we needed a little bit more explanation than I, this, her mom saying over and over again, "You can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that
1: yeah i i I wanted more I wanted to know more about what pregnancy does or what diabetes does to pregnancy, but I know that you can pass it on to your child, so I know like there's a like you probably don't want to do that.
2: But that wasn't it. It was specifically, it was a risk of being, yeah, Yeah. being pregnant was the risk, which is why I kind of liked that they jumped past the pregnancy and make you think, oh, she's out of the woods. And then you learn, oh, it did so much damage Mm. that now she's not actually fine, but she seemed fine. I was confused as to like the logistics of, I guess the logistics are important. I don't know. I just (laughs) felt like the second half of the movie, the charm, um, and the enjoyability, like I've maybe I didn't feel enough cathartic emotion to justify the loss of what I was enjoying about the first half.
1: Yeah. Like we, we were learning, about, a little. we were learning about all these characters and they're different, like they're just different traits and they're different, like how they deal with life and how they deal with their own relationships and their family and their dating. And like, we were just getting interested in these characters and then, nothing happens mm-hmm.
2: yeah just one of them dies and then life yeah. goes on which is yeah. the point like there she literally says life goes on and mm-hmm. then life goes on and then someone else has a baby and <laughs> yeah. they name it shelby and life goes on <laughs> <laughs> um but i don't
0: i don't know and, uh, like this is where i think it works so much better as a play because all of this is true to not even, like only this as a play but a lot of plays really like they're just i feel like people are a lot more and I include myself in this, willing to invest, I suppose, in stories where less happens and it's more about the characters when it's on stage versus the need that we have for stuff to unfold in some kind of dramatically cathartic, satisfying way in a movie. <laughs> so like when you have it like like I said, by put when you take this off of a stage and put it on screen and then flesh it out with the realistic setting, then it just it loses some kind of magic and then you're just left with that was nice. It wasn't bad, but like, it doesn't have the same, like, that it has seeing Sally feel cry in front of you in real life versus having that division of like, here's a screen.
2: I think that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It definitely, it felt like it should be a play. (laughs) <laughs> or that, or that well, the part of it, the parts of it that work well, which are long dialogue scenes, which you're actually not supposed to do in films, and like single setting stuff. We kept we were so rooted in this one place, and then we kept leaving it. um All of the stuff that worked was the stuff that would have translated well to the stage, and then on film. I also think it, there was a bit of an expectations problem with me, which like I just had never seen this film, but I'd obviously heard about this film forever, and. You know it's one of those like oh this is the funniest story you'll ever hear and so you almost never laugh um, but if they don't say it's going to be a funny story before they start you might laugh and so like I was prepared to cry. I cry so easily. <laughs> and I cried I cried a little like obviously I'm a very easy crier. But like I did not cry. I didn't even need a tissue. I like didn't cry very <laughs> at all. So I was kind of like um I don't know. I feel like if you're not crying
1: what's what are you supposed what's to be What's the doing? point?
2: Yeah, yeah, what's the, the point of this? And I the most I, I, emotional scene for
1: me was uh when the kid was crying and pointing uh at like oh yeah, that was uncomfortable. Her, his fallen mother, like just like the kid knew that oh, something was wrong. Yeah. yeah,
0: that was stressful. Actually I was more real life stress because I was thinking, How did they get this poor toddler to do this? Did they actually disturb him somehow?
2: <laughs> of course they you, did, yeah. Yeah. That's one of those things, I, I don't remember where I got, where I heard that recently, but somebody was sort of pointing that out. The like, if you see a child mm. crying or an animal upset on film, they had to genuinely upset those things because you, you can't, they don't know how to fake it. Or,
0: I'm well, pretty sure now, you could train now or like within the last 10 to 20-ish years, I think they've been a lot more strict. On making sure that doesn't happen, or at least when I was at York, they like impressed upon us that that's a thing that's unacceptable unless they were just trying to shape the minds of future filmmakers to not scar people. But so there aren't any
2: crying babies in contemporary films.
0: Oh, there are. I think they have. It's all random, though. Crying babies. I think babies. They have to. Hope that the baby just starts to cry of its own nature. <laughs> and then just like, like well, for- yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, yeah, that's yeah. I think that's actually exactly what.
1: And it is. usually there's more than one baby, right? They have, a, yeah. they have a few babies on set. So the one that's Does he crying. wait for
0: one to cry? <laughs> yeah.
1: The one that's crying is like, okay, you got the rule. That's sort of, you, get, <laughs> you got this scene. Yeah. Whatever mood they're in. But like with animals though, like they train them. Well, now, like I don't know what they did later on, earlier on, but like a lion is trained to roar and then they get fed like even though you don't want to be in the same, like you're not, you're still not going to have a line in the same scene as an actor, but like, they're going to be trained to roar.
2: They're trained to roar, but in order to get them to roar, you have to cue the roar by upsetting, like doing the thing that will make them roar in the first, certainly in the training process, at least.
1: Well, there's, I think there's non-abusive ways to train roaring. (laughs) Um,
2: no, but, but it, I mean, in order to get inspire the behavior in the first place, right? Well, like, how you know?
1: I guess I'm 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 saying that when I see lions roar, it doesn't feel like a real roar, a real anger roar. So that's why I'm like, this is just a an actor roar, like a bad. Okay, actor
2: roar. it's possible yeah. that that's just because they're not a particularly <laughs> vulnerable seeming creature, and yeah. so you're not like worried about.
0: <laughs> no, so- and also lion roars aren't that powerful or loud uh because i don't know how i know this probably just because they're big cats but yeah, i think in movies, at all
2: that you know a lot about yeah lions, i know
0: man. oh no i think i know this because of I, it's probably because of lion king somehow they probably told you song. at disney world that the they probably lion did actually. That thing. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah point is i think for movies they don't use lion roars usually they use a sound from usually a tiger or some other kind of big cat Because the sound that comes out of a lion is not what you Hmm. think it is. It's a lot. It's very underwhelming. They're also just very lazy animals in general.
2: Awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you eat a a big boar, you're gonna be, you're gonna have a food coma for a good week. It's true.
2: (laughs) Guys, this episode is about sweet magnolias or steel magnolias.
1: (laughs) Not sweet magnolias, which is a
2: new TV show. Mm -hmm. Um, Steel. (laughs) I don't (laughs) care for for the title.
0: I'll say that. Well, I feel okay. like the movie was really close to having a scene where they were like, No We're like steel Berlin, you can't you can't cry because because <laughs> you know the the men they're like steel. But I can cry because we're women and we're like little magnolias. Yeah, was, no, you know what we have that. to be. We gotta be steel magnolias
2: i was very happy that she stopped after she said men are supposed to be like steel and didn't explain and like let (laughs) us make the mental connection oh southern women like there was they said the word magnolia once at the beginning because they were putting them in the pool and then word steel at the end when they were talking about the men and then that was it and then our brains were allowed to make whatever connections of like southern women are like magnolias but they're not delicate they're made of steel (laughs) like i'm glad they didn't say it
1: I thought we were going to segue into the the dog being kind of abused.
2: <laughs> okay. That was a good segue. I had forgotten yeah. about the dog because I blocked yeah. it out because I was so mad because it's such a
1: cute dog. Yeah. and when was the dog abused? Muddly
2: and he was the cutest and that made me mad.
1: Just like pulling it around, uh, not really looking at it when pulling it around and seeing like just like... Yeah, surely MacLaine is so. great...
2: Dog owner, and then they do a whole thing about how she like loves the dog so much. (laughs) Show me,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. But also, it was a very cute dog, and they were just so mean. I don't like
1: it. I don't like it at all. I also had to think about the eggs in the in the back of the car. I'm like, how do you think this is going to turn out? Even without it being crushed, like I also
2: just hate eggs when you're
1: driving. Yeah, with the eggs in the trunk stack like that do you think everything's gonna go according to plan i mean i'm I don't, okay with it. it has nothing to do with the story but that's what i was thinking in those scenes i'm like what are you doing with those eggs in the back of the car
2: well but they have they were doing the easter egg hunt and if you were going to use real eggs for some reason because you don't have plastic ones your options are to like suck out all of the stuff or hard boil them And stacking out all the stuff is very delicate and it makes them easy to break. And they, the kids would all smash them. And it also takes a ton of time.
1: No, but putting it in the car. Would have.
2: But how else are you going to get them to the play place?
1: You need some in the back seat, some in the (laughs) trunk. You don't put all of them stacked in the trunk with the trunk open.
2: (laughs) Kinder (laughs) to the steel magnolias. They're trying their best.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fine. <laughs> They're trying. I, I mean, I got over it because I'm like, I knew something was going to go wrong with the eggs. So
2: Okay. I just hate the visual of smashed hard-boiled <laughs> eggs. That was not great for mm-hmm. me. Um, let's just talk about Dolly Parton for a while. Can we, please?
1: She's lovely.
0: She's like delightful <laughs> in everything. and everything she does.
2: Yes, yeah, She's just a happy person mm-hmm. made of happy. I love her.
0: Yeah. And she, she was, was very well cast.
2: Do you guys yeah. see the the episode of the Orville where um, there's like a, an alien race and he's introduced to the music of Dolly Parton and he like turns it into a religion. Oh, oh that's
1: cool. So, uh, the that Orville is a
2: great show. It doesn't seem like it's going to be a good show, but then it's
0: actually a great show. <gasps> what about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? I just finished it and I love it.
2: I quit after season oh. two. because I got Season older. three is
1: the best one.
2: Wait, am I? Maybe I quit after season one. I quit when um, Josh was in the seminary.
1: I went to the. Oh, movie that's the with, end of season two. I went to the movie wow. with Uma Thurman and the and the shark being thrown in the window. What's that one? crazy. Right, my
2: super ex
0: girlfriend. Yeah, no crazy ex girlfriend. <laughs> delightful television series. No, but Kelly season three is when like they actually address all of her mental health issues and it gets like really good.
2: Yeah, that's when I got bored um so i like season one because i like just like a rom-com i don't know i did but i also i did the same thing with Jane the virgin where i watched one season and then i was kind of was like i don't know about this gimmick it's cute but like it's not that sustainable and i'm cutting a lot of like network hour longs out of my schedule because they're the mm-hmm. biggest time commitment but then last summer i went back and i finished Jane the virgin and it was like a delightful way to spend a couple months so maybe i'll go back and do is it on netflix
0: It's on CBC, whatever, now, CBC Now.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Um, It's worth like the $3 for one month to watch, to watch it.
2: I have such a long to-do list. I'm on my, like, 100th series of the season so far. Oh. And I'm, I'm, I don't am i know. I've just I've, got so much to watch. And then I've, I watch so much stuff. I dumps.
1: have an, a topic to bring back, Steel Magnolias. Oh, yeah, Steel Magnolias. You know
2: how I'm watching sweet magnolias? <laughs> <laughs> it just seems to be set in the world of Steel, Steel Magnolias. They're sweeter and less strong.
1: The, the, the play focuses a lot, well, there's a lot of talk about how men are crappy. Um, which, you know, they are, but. Um True story. But uh it, and near the end of the movie like I was expecting like her husband to break up or cheat on her or something yeah. and and it didn't happen and he was nothing happened there and the, I feel like there
2: was maybe a c- cut storyline involving Dolly Parton's husband because he seemed terrible oh. and then he was mm-hmm. fine.
1: Yeah, but that that was the thing that all the men ended up being uh like shown in a different light near the end of the movie. Or like, like even the guy the, from Top Gun. Even the the son who we we just saw once of uh, was it, I forgot whose son that was. Sally Field. No, no, no the um the biker son.
2: Oh, um, was it Dolly Parton's son? He and was, then she has a line early on where she's like, "My son turned out weird."
1: <laughs> Maybe it's Dolly Parton, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's her, it's yeah, it's her son, um, and. But later on, we hear something like very nice and sweet about him or something. Oh, or and I'm he's the one
2: to... at the very end who drives the Easter bunny to the hospital for his ber- the birth of his child. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. In that big old crane shot
1: that was such a like, right. we don't make movies like this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that was um, a, yeah. interesting shot. Wow. With the bunny on the back of the motorcycle.
2: It went, you know, like why the, was the
1: he a the bunny? Shot, I mean, yeah, the <laughs>
2: last shot had a quirkiness that the rest of the movie, I feel like, didn't have. Yeah. Um, there's like Daryl Hannah as your like resident quirky girl. All right, <laughs> sure. Um, but that's like Runaway Bride tries to claim that Julia Roberts is quirky, and it's like,
0: mm. <laughs> oh, but she's so quirky in that she's on the bell and she's being the bell instead of the ball.
2: Right, she's quirky. Joan Cusack is weird. They're
0: different. Oh, yes, yeah.
2: <laughs> that's what the scene is, is her explaining the difference. <laughs> yes, um. What was I gonna say? Uh yeah, I don't know. I, I do think that last shot had like a I don't know. It hinted at a slightly different movie. I just think they got they got so consumed by the sad element. And maybe I was just too prepared for the sad element because the sad element took over the movie. And like I really liked the the former first lady character. She was so fun, she had nothing to do. Yeah. She had like two f- two fun scenes with um Shirley MacLaine and like did nothing else in the rest of the movie but she was delightful I loved when she was the color commentator for the football team because she because she bought the radio station and then she went in and just talked about the color of the uniform (laughs) color commentator
1: oh what a scene
2: she was so fun (laughs) but uh she just didn't have like she didn't have a story I, I think the others I think maybe this is it comes down to like when they were adapting it, it should have maybe been adapted by a screenwriter and Mm -hmm. not by the person who wrote the play. Because I think it was probably a pretty straight adaptation and a screenwriter maybe would have identified Mm -hmm. that characters need storylines. True,
0: but I feel like if... Then you would be changing the heart of the thing that you decided was good enough to turn into a movie. It's like a weird True, but there's
2: not enough... There's not enough in that heart.
0: Oh, it's true. Like it just, I feel like it shouldn't be a movie and there it is.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Except that it, it helped launch Julie Roberts. And for that, I am grateful
0: True. (laughs) because I love her. Wait, was it before Pretty Woman?
2: No, I don't think it was. I think, but it was, she was young and she needed a bunch of big hits in a row. True. Okay. Um, (laughs) Did anybody else not understand? My entire life, I thought the season finale of season two of Friends, it was just a goofy joke dress, but it's actually the bridesmaid's dress that Rachel wears at Mindy's wedding is a straight up Steel Magnolias reference. Because it's those exact crazy puppy dresses (laughs) with the hats.
1: I am not a big, I haven't seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of Friends episodes, but I haven't like seen it in order or anything.
2: Okay. I didn't realize. Oh, yes,
1: that's exactly. Oh
2: my I'm God. pretty sure that's the end of season two.
1: <laughs>
0: I think it is. Yeah.
2: Yep. That's because hilarious. Friends is on a slightly different timeline than every every other TV show and every other sitcom. The will they or won't they couple has their big like profession of love or their first kiss or whatever in the season finale of season two, but Friends did it in the middle of season two, mm. and then they had them break up in season three, and so the the end of season two, nothing really happened. They like <laughs> go to a wedding, and <laughs> that's. It.
1: I do like that the this the idea of starting a play or any any story begins with this happy moment of like a wedding or whatever because then I'm like then disaster is going to strike. If we start <laughs> with something uh nice, we know that something bad is going to happen or like it's not going to end in a marriage.
2: Okay, this was before pretty woman. It was 1 year before pretty oh, wow. Oh. woman. Wow. Um good job, Julia. Yeah, Julia, I love her so much. Well, she <laughs> has to have been really This would have been like 10 years for my best friend's wedding. And so she would have been like 20 when she did this.
1: My sister idolizes her, she's listening. Her hair really annoyed me in this movie, it was too big.
2: Well, her hair in this movie is fascinating because she at this time had big old curly hair. And the way her hair is styled in this movie is so definitively we're trying to make we're like brushing out curly hair. We're not straightening it, but we're brushing it out. And like, which makes it big. I don't know. It was, it was a lot, but I did. I loved actually, I'm glad you brought that up. I really enjoyed watching Dolly Parton do her hair like that. While that scene was playing out, Dolly Parton was just like, like it came out of the curlers and I was like, Oh, that looks beautiful. And then she teased it and I was like, okay, what are you doing? And then it got bigger and bigger and bigger. That was a lot of fun for me. I enjoyed that quite a bit um i think the whole i would enjoy the play if the play was just set in the salon and every new scene was just redoing someone's hair sure. like swap <laughs> out a wig and do the new like cutter from style. what i
0: remember that's not too far off it like it, there is a yeah. lot of practical hair styling that happened
1: did she get her haircut in the play no that was definitely a wig like, what happened? Oh, in the play. I think so.
0: Yeah. Like I feel the, like I vaguely remember someone came in with a really bad wig that was supposed okay. to be a haircut.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. one of the worst wigs of all time is always going to be a short wig on someone with long hair. Yeah. Because it's going to, like, mm, stick up. True. Weirdly, and she's not going to, you know. Um, Football helmet. Yeah. So she did <laughs> Mystic Pizza's, the first big one that she did. Yeah. And that was in 1988. And then Steel Magnolia's was 89. And then Pretty Woman was 90. And then she was off to the
1: races. So. Oh,
0: and then Hook was 91.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. It's so long though. It's three hours of Peter Pan. Oh, it's a good fantasy film. <laughs> so long. <laughs>
2: uh yeah, that's one of those movies that I think if you didn't see it at the right age. <laughs> yeah. Or sort of like like I've never been fond of hook because I I just like it wasn't an important movie to me and then I saw it when I was like a little too old with all my friends were like, "Oh, I love this movie." <laughs> and because it wasn't important to me, it remains unimportant to me. <laughs> um, whereas, you know, the movies I saw a lot when I was a kid, I'm like, "This is the greatest movie of all time." And people are like, "Kelly, stop talking yeah. about D3 the Mighty Duck." <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I weirdly enough, I feel like I can appreciate hook more as an adult than I could as a kid. As a kid, I found it kind of boring. But when I rewatched it about a year or two ago, I was just really taken in by the Spielberg-y magic of it all. But then like two hours had passed and there was still 40 minutes to go. And I was like, okay, wrap it up. It's great. Wrap it up. But also, I like seeing how people approach Peter Pan because it's a very interesting story I've always loved to Peter Pan.
2: I mean, I... yeah. It's so
0: screwed up. It's so, so (laughs) screwed up. It's so beautifully screwed
2: up. And it's one that has a lot in it that, like, it can be... And because it's public domain, like, you can mess Mm -hmm. with it. And it's got enough in it that, like, the the bones of the story can remain the same and recognizable while still doing all sorts of different things with it. Um, I've seen, like, 17 different adaptations over various mediums. And the best one is definitely the bad-hats one. Definitely, definitely. Mm. Um. But the, because I love that, I go every single Christmas. Um, I'm just by myself, like Soul Peppers down the street, and I just, like, buy a single ticket, and I'm just, like, the weird adult sitting in the back corner, just being like, yay! <laughs> uh, Why so weird, not? It's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah, I think, actually, though, every movie I watch these days, I, I get to about the halfway point, and then I look, and I realize there's actually an hour and a half left, and I thought it was the halfway point, and I'm like why everything needs to be 20 minutes shorter this movie even why this is a 90 minute story at best and it was a full two hours why why yep like she should die right at the end that is how story structure works she died right at the end and then we get the big speech at the funeral and that is the end of the story she died with a half hour left and i was like what are we gonna do what how are we gonna we're just gonna watch yeah. sad people for we had Easter,
1: <laughs> then we had Easter,
2: yeah, we had Easter, but like oh yeah, and it was just like a lot of it was a lot of just watching sad people, and what's that rule that like if you cry, they won 't cry, the actors are supposed to follow, like oh, yes. I was watching them all be sad, and I was like i'm less sad than you, <laughs> that's not good. I should be more sad than you, i'm the one watching the movie who cries really easily, and they should've had <laughs> me, and they didn't have me, and I think that's damning evidence for them because what? i cried in an episode of say yes to the dress canada today <laughs> <laughs> i cry in every episode of fixer upper when joe says welcome home like, I just, like, <laughs> it's a lot but steel and magnolias no i was pretty okay <laughs> for most of it <laughs> I weirdly cried when um, Daryl Hannah said her thing about, I'm I'm glad, I feel safer knowing she's up there on my yeah. side.
1: That was a sweet moment.
2: It was sweet, but it was also, like, it was not, I didn't, would not expect that to make me cry, like the weird heaven stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something about, someone being on someone's side that always gets me like if you say the phrase so and so is in your corner I will just start to cry there's something about like the metaphor of like having someone's back and like someone being in someone's corner I'm like <laughs> she's,
0: she's oh, like, looking
2: out for you random acquaintance from the salon
0: <laughs> like in Captain America I'm with you to the end of the line
2: <laughs> oh, they to me about Captain America.
0: <laughs> I I just wanted to see how you'd react cuz I think that's like one of the best lines in the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. So yeah. good.
2: Yeah. And that's Bucky, right?
0: Yeah, it's Bucky. Yeah. Well, and then at, but at the end when his memory is gone, Steve says it to him.
2: Oh. I mean, number one, Chris, Sebastian Stan. Man, I love me some Sebastian Stan. <laughs> going back to a show called Political Animals that no one saw that I loved.
0: It was. I thought you were going to say the, Once Upon a Time when he was the Mad Hatter.
2: Um, yes, I watched that for him because of <laughs> Political Animals. And also he was in Kings way back in the day, which is the greatest show ever canceled. Shut up, freaks and geek <laughs> people.
0: Kings Wonderfalls. Wonder.
2: Wonderful. That's a good one too. I have this, I I tweeted this the other day. I strongly feel that networks should be using this opportunity to program fall seasons made up of all the shows that they canceled after 13 episodes. That's great. Because like some of them have huge stars. Like they could, Fox could program Kitchen Confidential starring Bradley Cooper and John Cho. Like (laughs) what? And, 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 um, like there's there's so many they could do my so called life again. Fox could also do and nice. They can do Firefly. Like there's so many. I'm um, Pan Am starring Margot Robbie, and one of them oh, should be wonderful. Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie was in a show about stewardesses who. Oh, I Ma- remember. Christina
0: Ricci was in that.
2: Yep. Yep. And um, it was so good. I loved it. It only lasted 13 episodes. Um, had Kareen Vanessa in it, who's a Canadian actress. And they did, like, spy stuff. Because, you know, that was a real thing. Pan Am stewardesses would be co- couriers during the Cold War. Um, and they shot it all over the world. It was such a cool show. There's all these great shows that only got 13 episodes and or got, got pulled before that. And I think they should use this opportunity to program full, full fall schedules of things that they just canned. That's my great innovation. And one of them should be... Uh, Wonderful. Wonderfalls, because Wonderfalls yes. is wonderful. It is great, great show. I think it's better than Pushing Daisies.
1: Yes,
0: uh, it absolutely is better
1: than. Pushing I've seen Daisies. like none of these shows.
2: You don't watch enough TV, Vargo. I,
1: I have, sh- yeah. Well, I don't. Um, I've I've seen My So Called Life, though, and that's a good show.
2: It's fine. It's one of those ones where you're like, do you program it for Claire Danes and put up with Jared Leto? <laughs> eh. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: Who knows? Um, but Wonder Wonderfalls is awesome. It and is. I love Lee Pace in that show. I love Tracy Toms in that
0: show. Oh, the whole cast is so good. And it takes place in the tacky tourist part of Niagara Falls, yep. which I can associate with.
2: It's in a very surprisingly rich subgenre of television shows about profits. Um, that mm-hmm. like has at least four or five titles in it of like people who have it's like quirky dramedies about someone who has a random um superpower type thing that requires them helping someone a new person with their problems every week like Joan of Arcadia was like that Wonder Falls is like that Eli Stone was like that Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist which everyone should be watching is like that um great tradition of you can hear people's thoughts now help them once a week episodes <laughs> amazing stuff um but this was about Steel Magnolia's <laughs> Yeah. anybody have anything else to say about this movie that was fine and mostly about Dolly Parton
1: I, I think all the acting was fine uh it was really really good acting I would say for what they got yeah
2: I mean a very really prestigious cast
1: yeah. yeah yeah good cast I tons of parts maybe, for I,
2: women that's like, exciting
0: yeah I would love to see them even though it would never happen especially now like in the play without all the distractions that the movie uh, put in between me and their performances.
2: Yeah, it's unfortunate that this was made into a movie and quite a successful movie because I find what happens with contemporary plays where that happens is that, especially if it happens, like, fairly early in the play's life, Mm. is that once there's a definitive movie version, they never produce the play ever again. Like, you never see A Few Good Men, you never, oh, you, you very I've well. seen it twice. You've seen it twice? I've well, never seen A Few Good Men.
0: I've seen it in person once at the Citadel in Edmonton and I almost saw it at Aquarius when they did it like two years ago. Mm,
2: was that the one with Mike Shara and Kara Probably.
0: Ricketts? I
1: think so. There, there's like some exceptions to that. Like I I feel like Doubt was a big one that was True. Still, still on stage for a Can while. People
2: still do Doubt though?
1: Well, no, but like at the time, like Doubt was happening after the movie got produced as well and a lot of people were going to see it. Oh, i don't know history like, boys if is yeah, another history
2: one. boys I've, I've never seen history boys ever again produced i people don't do even like really classic plays like uh 12 angry men doesn't get produced enough because there's a famous you know version yeah streetcar seems to be a bit of an exception but like yeah. I don't know. true and even that virginia like every time every time you see streetcar it, like the automatic comparison happens and yeah. it's like insurmountable. Yeah. It's a weird, I don't know, it's a weird thing. I think it, it kind of in a strange way kills plays. Um, like you literally can't, I don't know. It's like a few good men, people do it in the cadence. Like you can't get the cadence mm. of the famous speeches out of your head. So it's just like, well, I don't know. Um, that said, everyone, someone should make Farnsworth invention into a t- movie so that I can watch it. Um, I yeah, because I like having them on my shelf, but then I just re- lament when theater companies don't do them anymore. Um, yeah, I don't know. And nothing else to say about Steel Magnolias. <laughs> I have talked a lot in this episode, and none of it was about Steel Magnolias. So yeah. <laughs> it was.
1: I, it's, I was, was interested a movie in. in the, I was interested in the in the '80s hair and and the fashion, and that was always interesting because I was, you know, I was born in I was born in '88, so that's just interesting to think of yeah, my, you're so old just Thinking my my parents pretty sure you're the same age right my no. i mean I'm just thinking old. about my parents and my and my sister at that point because my sister was like 12 oh really wow yeah yeah we have a 12 year difference yeah
2: um yeah i have no recollection of that time obviously but i'm always i'm i have a weird fascination with julia roberts's hair and (laughs) yes um, you do yes yeah i'm just very interested because i just need to know was it really curly and she straightened it or was it straight and she permed it in the 80s i need to know um so this i would say was evidence of curly because it was they were trying to straighten it in a way that you (laughs) do with curly hair before chemical treatments
1: so i don't think it's naturally uh straight that's what i think yeah i think it's naturally curly
2: I'm also curious as to the color because it was red for a while there. So who knows?
1: <laughs> she, dyed, she dyed her hair for I forgot what movie it was. Mystic Pizza. No, I think it was Mystic Pizza. They wanted they wanted someone right
0: at the beginning, so we'll never know.
1: Yeah. Well no, but that's how she got the role is she dyed her hair because they wanted someone with uh it's brunette, right? It's a brunette hair?
2: No, it's definite I think I don't know. I think she has red. She has famously has red hair in um, Pretty Woman.
1: But but in Mystic Pizza, I think was the one that she changed her hair from her natural.
2: I don't know. I I I want to know though. I, that's the only biography information I really want on her. Is what's your hair journey? <laughs> what's real and what's not?
1: I remember um, her talking about this on David Letterman. So that's okay. I, I, there's okay. probably a clip somewhere.
2: And then I went to YouTube. Okay. I'm going to end this call so I can go do that. (laughs) Um, That's the rest of my night. Um, Bye. Bye. (laughs) Meow. Till next time.